It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We told you last offseason that the Reds could sneak into the playoffs. But was Phil Castellini right? Were the Reds already out of it on opening day? We're going to look back on April and May on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. He is Stephen Offenbaker, and we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned our addiction to this team and to information for you. I want to thank you for checking out today's Locked On Reds podcast. If you're an everyday, we appreciate you so very much. Please let us know down in the comment section. If you're not an everydayer, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms or right here on YouTube. That way you get Reds content each and every day because we are going to be with you each and every day because we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every single day, and we are free and available on all platforms. Coming up on today's podcast, we are going to look back at the months that were in April and May that made the season what it turned out to be was April, the doom of the season. Also, we'll look at some seeds that were planted and some positives, and Matt McClain's call-up Was it the planned success or was it a little bit more of sheer dumb luck because he was just throwing darts at a board at that point? We'll get into all of that on today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Before we do, today's podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app today, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And Steve, where we will start is where the Reds started and... The month that set the Reds up for ultimately the season that ended outside the playoffs. Well, let's talk a little bit. This is April was feels like forever ago, especially with the way the season turned, you know, about halfway through. But let's let's just take a quick stroll down memory lane and remind everyone who we're going to be talking about here when we look at the month of April. We're talking about Luis Sessa. We're talking about Connor Overton. We're talking about Luke Weaver. We're talking about Jason Vossler, Kevin Newman, Will Myers, and Jose Barrero. You remember those Uh, guys, Jeff? Really the only guy. And and I think the biggest biggest thing for me, when you look back at the month of April, all the guys that got significant playing time, that played significant roles in the month of April, that obviously had no future on this team. The two guys that you could really kind of stretch and say, okay, well, maybe this guy, maybe that guy, Jose Barrero, they were trying to figure out if he was going to be a shortstop for them on an everyday basis. And Will Myers, they were just hoping to see if they could resurrect something, turn him into some trade value. Other than that, the guys that were getting lots and lots of chances here and failing were the guys who just 
weren't going to be here from a long-term basis. You look at, let's start first, because we, we've mentioned these guys' names in multiple cases, whether we're talking about missed opportunities or, you know, things we look back on and, we, and, and we're not super proud of seeing from the Reds, and that is Luis Sessa and Connor Overton. They started the oh, yeah. year with both of these guys in the starting rotation, which partly was out of necessity, but that necessity was born out of inaction during the offseason. Oh, it was it was totally manufactured necessity. Uh, they very they very easily could have done better than this, and I think they probably could have done better than this just with some waiver wire claims coming out of spring training because these guys were bad. I mean, Luis Sessa five starts, twenty one and two thirds innings pitched. In that time, twenty one innings, he gave up twenty three runs. Um, not to be outdone, <laughs> Connor Overton started three games through 11 innings and allowed 14. These guys were bad. They were consistently bad. They were bad right out of the gate, and they were bad right till we pushed them back through the gate. They were bad. Yes. I, I, I understood the the Connor Overton bit because, you know, Luke Weaver was hurt, so he didn't start the season with the rotation, and you still didn't necessarily have a fifth starter going on. But Luis Sessa, we said over and over and over again during the offseason that this dude was a key member of the Reds' bullpen, and we thought that if he continued in that role, he would maintain the value that he had to this team. I think putting him in the rotation was not a great idea. Um, obviously hindsight's 2020 on that, but it really seemed like every time he was out there, once he got into the second time into the order and forget about the third time in the order, didn't see that very often, but the second time through the order, you could tell he didn't really have a whole lot to give outside of that first at bat. And that just shows why he was a relief pitcher. I know that he started a few games. There's a couple of people that are probably saying this right now. He started a few games when he was a Yankee. I don't care. There's a reason that he didn't start anymore, and there was a reason that he was in the bullpen. So the Reds really tried to force the issue with him, which was really just a precursor to what they tried to force with Luke Weaver. But still, the, these two guys really were the catalysts that what ended up, and yes, the month itself was only a couple of games under 500, which just underscores how much of a job this team was able to do outside of what you would have expected. But the pitching set them up for failure just about every other day. You know, another note on Luis Sessa. I think we all had a bad feeling going into it anyway. Uh, the signs were there that something was not right. Uh, he had pitched fairly well out of the bullpen for the Reds. But then we get into this season where the Reds are struggling to find a fourth and fifth starter. World Baseball Classics going on. Luis Sessa is with Team Mexico, and they're not using him. Yeah, <laughs> they're not letting him pitch that. I, I mean, that not even as a relief. You remember, yeah, I don't know if you remember you and I talking off air about that and thinking is something wrong with him? Like, is there something that we just don't know? And, and maybe there was because he he was bad. He was bad from jump. He was bad all the way around. Well, and he ended up too. I just don't understand. He ended up too. He left early. And I think part of it might have been behind the scenes. He understood there might have been an opportunity to make the starting rotation. I wonder if he knew that early on in the World Baseball Classic process and still tried to do two things at once. He still tried to compete for the starting rotation spot while also pitching for his country and his and, and the the uh, Mexican national team ultimately decided that they didn't like that. And, and they were just like, look, you, you do one thing or you do the other. You're not going to do both. Well, and he didn't do any I of them. Well. 
No, 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 he, he, he didn't. Um, and speaking of Luke Weaver, we got his first two starts of the season. He allowed 10 earned runs in 11 and a third innings, just a precursor, or 11 and two thirds innings, just a precursor for what we were going to see the rest of the year. And all of those runs probably came in the first inning of both of his starts. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, and, and you and I talked about this briefly during today's show prep, but I think that there was a little bit of weirdness with his statistics because we heard um, our friends over at Bally Sports tell us that once ever Luke Weaver was done with the Reds and they were moving on from him, they're just like, man, he really did a lot of good work for this. A really admirable pitching, really gritty performances is, you know, all the words you say that just mean we don't want to say the word good or bad. Uh, but when it comes to Luke Weaver, I think when you look at his statistics, the thing that just that throws everybody off is the number of innings. We don't realize that most of his starts, it was you go out there, kid, and if you get your brains beat in, you're still going to save our bullpen as much as you can. So when you see, oh, hey, look, he almost averaged six innings a start, that is so deceiving. No, it, it is. It in fact is. And I mean, the thing that he did well, the the thing that I will tip my cap to him on is that he showed up and he showed up every five days. Um, yeah, that's that's really it. That's what he did. Um, he didn't help this team win games. He didn't help really at all. I, in fact, I mean, the only thing he helped do, I think, was inspire the lineup that day to know that if they didn't put 10 on the board, they weren't going to be in the game. So, I mean, but he, your point is not lost on me. And and the bullpen ran out of gas in September. If not for Luke Weaver eating those innings when he did, they may have run out of gas in August and we'd be having a whole different conversation about this team you know, heading into the offseason. So, uh, you sure. know, that's what he did well. The the bullpen, the bullpen ran out of gas in September because the uh, gas pedal was on the floor in April and May. Uh, but also, too, looking at the lineup, the lineup was not without its uh, warts. We had the interesting story that was Jason Vossler to begin the season. And by interesting, I mean his first week, he had an OPS of 1,136. We're all yeah. like, Jason that was Vossler? me. That was me. I, yeah, I remind you, you of yeah, sure. Steve <laughs> sitting in the stands at GABP going, why is Jason Vossler on this team? Send tweet. And he blew up for a week. It was so, you know, I did that. It was a week. And then the next two weeks after that, that he, he obviously earned another two weeks with his first week. The next two weeks, he had an OPS of 300. That, that's on base plus slugging equaled 300 <laughs> that was bad baseball there from him you had the reds and, and as much as i advocated for it i remember saying things like a poor man's nick castellanos totally wrong on that uh but the reds tried to force a square peg into a round hole with will myers and the reds really really tried to give jose barrero a shot and he just didn't seize the day no, both of those guys got 22 starts that you're talking about. And for Will Myers, uh, his brief time in Cincinnati was not great. And those 22 starts, 222, 292, 321. And, I, you know, that move, I was with you at the time. I mean, I didn't think it was a horrible move. I thought that if Will Myers could find himself again and playing at GABP, uh, he might become interesting trade bait at the trade deadline if he had success. Didn't work. They cut him to their credit. And, you know, that was something different. Uh, but Jose Barrero, you said this earlier in the show today, you know, they needed to know what they had. Could he be a guy? Yes. Could he be anything? Um, and, and they gave him full time reps to earn it. 
uh, in both April and May and, and he didn't. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't blame him for those two guys. Those two guys are different than the amount of times you're running a Kevin Newman out there, the amount of starts that Jason Vossler got, you know, those are, those are different situations. But at the end of the day, this is what we know, Jeff, the 26 man roster leaving Goodyear shows that while they wanted to be competitive, they didn't really build this roster to make a run, but they did have some players on the roster when they broke camp that played well enough to keep the Reds in the hunt. Coming up, we'll look back at some April and May success stories. But before I talk about that, let's talk about the sponsor of today's podcast, Game Time. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, and you can take the guesswork for yourself out of buying tickets by downloading the Game Time app. Look, it is super easy to use. Jeff and I both use this one all the time for football, for baseball, for concerts. You can get it all right there on Game Time. Uh, Game Time shows you all the available tickets. You can see all of the fees and the costs built right in. You're going to know exactly what you're going to pay before you click that buy button. Uh, it's safe. It's secure. It's very, very easy to use. Jeff and I were using this all baseball season to get into GABP. We would go grab some tacos across the street, buy our tickets while they were running our credit cards and stroll right into the beer garden. So that's how we use the Game Time app. We had lots of success with it and you can have success with it as well. Just download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the promo code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. That's going to save you $20 more on top of their already low prices. Again, terms apply. You can create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Everydayers, coming up, we're going to continue to look back on this season this week, and we're going to break it down because we're getting through April and May on today's show. Uh, but tomorrow's show, the fun kind of starts because we get into June, July, August, and that, my friends, is where it's at. But in April and May, Jeff, they were able to... I guess, plant the seeds of success. We started to see some things in April from a few guys that piqued our interest and, and looking at the numbers, knowing if they played and maintained anywhere close to that kind of performance, we had something as far as the Cincinnati Reds go with these guys. Uh, and, and not surprisingly, Jonathan India is on this list. Uh, we wanted to know what we had in Spencer steer. We got a little look at him in 2022, just a cup of coffee. Uh, he didn't, he didn't set the world on fire, but he also didn't look completely overmatched. So we were wondering what we were going to have with him being an everyday guy right out of the gate in 2023. And then your dude, TJ Friedel. This is a guy that for me, uh, you know, I remember saying back then he's clearly playing over his head. There's no way this is who he is. This is an outlier. It's early. Uh, but he showed us who he was going to be in 2023 and he did it almost immediately. Yeah, these were the guys that were really leading the run scoring efforts. They were leading this team as as far as just the clutch moments and the and the times where the Reds were succeeding. Jonathan India in particular in the month of April paced this lineup. The month of April the Reds lineup wasn't particularly awesome. They were good at like manufacturing runs. They were a little bit of magic because they did not hit home runs. I remember we had this discussion a lot. We're just like, "Boy, this the like, in the month of April, the Reds were the polar opposite of what they were in 2020, where it was like the only time they scored runs was when they hit homers. And instead, they like weren't hitting any, but they were still getting them on, getting them over, and getting them in. Jonathan India was a huge part of that. He had a 
slash line in the month of April of 287, 393, 396. Now, the power wasn't quite there, but the on-base ability was just magnificent during that month, and that was still when he was hitting leadoff. That was still when he was trying to be the catalyst for this team. And then you look at the guy that was right behind him, in the lineup most days, TJ Friedel, he had a good first two months in the month of April. He hits 300 gets on base 35% of the time. You're like, boy. And like you said, you're like, Jesus, he playing out over his skis here. What's going on. Then in the month of May deals with a few injuries, doesn't get like a whole month's worth of playing time. But in the 12 games of the month of May, he hits 375 and gets on base 42% of the time. Dude turned into what ended up for me being the team MVP. I mean, it was just a great first two months for the top two guys in that order. And then Spencer steer while Corbin Carroll did this thing where he started out hot was really hot in the middle and is still playing really hot now into the playoffs. Spencer steer took a minute there in the month of April to get going, but man, he lit it up in the month of May. It did. He, it, it took him a while, you know, for his April numbers. And again, remember that, Really, he played a handful of games in 2022 and was handed a starting job right out of the gate in 2023. It took him a minute. Uh, for April, he put up a slash line of 253, 337, 407. But then May rolled around. Full-time playing time, wherever the Reds needed him to play. In the month of May, 318, 372, 573. Uh, he was on his way there to being the Reds' power leader, which he was for the season. If, if three, and, and let's think about this, because if that, if April is what the baseline is for Spencer steer, he's one of the most valuable hitters in this lineup. No, absolutely. Uh, without question. And, and to your point on TJ Friedel at the end of May, after looking at those numbers, that's when you already were a believer and, and he was really starting to turn me around and he just kept going and going and, and was able to hit against left-handers and was doing, he became captain chaos, right? Dra drag yeah. bunts on the line, doing all of the things that he did. And, you know, he was bringing the excitement before the rest of the excitement arrived later in the season. You know, TJ Friedel was already doing some of the things that when the youngsters finally arrived, he was already playing that brand of baseball. Uh, and, and so, you know, was he the leader of that was, did he inspire them? Did they inspire him? I don't know. Uh, but it definitely was a piece of the puzzle that clicked right into place. And, you know, I'm glad you were, listen, I don't say this very often. I'm glad you were right. I'm glad that he was the guy all the way through, uh, that, that you got excited about right away, because, uh, I don't know what this team would have looked like without him. Far be it for me to skip an opportunity to relish in you saying that I was correct, but uh, let's move on to the pitching because there were some good signs on the pitching staff when you look at Graham Ashcraft, Lucas Sims, and Alexis Diaz. We talked about these guys are part of the pitching core for this team. They all started the season off magnificently, at least Graham Ashcraft there, and his first five starts in the month of May. This was that period of time. You remember Graham Ashcraft had like the huge, like almost like polar opposite start to the season where his first five starts he had an era of 2.1 and he pitched 60 innings in those i'm sorry i wrote that wrong <laughs> F 
30 innings in the first five starts. You pitched 60 innings in the first five starts. Yeah. That, was he playing for innings. somebody else also? Like, was he, <laughs> was he, was he flying out to Oakland and making starts for them in between? Double like, headers. He was just, yeah, they just didn't take him out. Uh, but 30 innings in the first five starts, which equates to six innings per start, much higher than the average start per inning for a red pitcher last season. But that was kind of the point where we're like, okay, Graham Ashcraft, we see what the next step is. And that is why whenever he went through that period of struggle coming up right after this, we were just like, yes, it stinks that he's going through this period of struggle, but we know that he's got it in him to pitch this well. Yeah. It was after that fifth start that his grandmother died and he wasn't the same guy for a while after that. And, and, you know, it's, it's just time. Like, yeah. it's kind of hard to you can't really bash this guy if his head's not in it and because his heart's broken. And, and you know, that's just the way it is, the way it was. And he did eventually find himself again. Uh, but he did show us right out of the gate that he could be that guy we could rely on. And and we talked about that being a key uh, to success. Didn't realize that every single other person in the starting rotation was going to just <laughs> be a train wreck. But right. that is where we ended up. Now, Lucas Sims returned from that back injury. He comes out and tosses six shutout appearances right out of the gate. Um, I was concerned from jump about how much they were using him coming off that injury. Uh, but, yeah. you know, as we saw early in the beginnings there, you know, there was a level of uh, performance that we could expect from Lu Lucas Sims. And more often than not, he was a reliable guy out of that bullpen. You know, like any relief pitcher, he had some moments along the way. But when the dust settled, he set a career high in appearances and uh, did that coming off of that significant back injury. So uh, Lucas Sims early on was, uh, you know, probably, I don't know if I want to call him a surprise of the bullpen because we kind of had expectations for him, but coming off of that injury and having been out for so long and having had to yeah. work so hard to get back, we weren't sure what we were going to get, but, but he kind of relieved our fears pretty early on with that, with that, you know, run of games coming back immediately. Well, and remember too, the injury was a back injury. So it's not like it was an arm injury where there's like, you know, an easy blueprint for what he's going to look like or a leg injury or something like that. Like back injuries, it almost makes you wonder if he had to change his mechanics at all or anything like that. I would like to kind of get his take on that. We may do that at some point this off season and get him back on the show. But he is a guy that we came into this year, not necessarily having the expectations of what he became. We knew that he could be the next most reliable guy in the Reds bullpen next to Alexis Diaz. But to say that we expected that after dealing with a back injury for basically the better part of a year, that would have been foolish of us to say, because it's it, to expect somebody to bounce back from a back injury that quickly. It, it's a back injury. You, you don't know what you're going to get out of these things. So I was very happy to see that. And then you, you talk about starting off hot. I mean, the first half of the season, and I think it was very obvious that he was used a lot in the first half of the year. And I think that is what kind of set the tone for his second half. But Alexis Diaz, the first two months of the season, you brought him in. You, you didn't give up runs. He gave up four earned runs in his first 21 and a third, I believe that was 20 appearances, but 21 and a third innings of the year. He only allowed four earned runs. He was nails. He was striking out everybody. He still had the walk issue, but he was keeping him on base. Just an absolutely fantastic start for him. 
Yeah, he pitched way more than I thought he should have. I mean, we talked about this. You know, I got myself in some trouble there on social media towards the All-Star break saying that the Reds should prevent him from from playing in the All-Star game and everybody clubbed me over the head on Twitter. But, you know, they use he pitched a lot. He he had a significant amount of wear and tear uh, right from the beginning and at least probably two thirds of the season, he managed it really well. Um, there were a couple periods of time in there where we saw it catch up with him, but this, this beginnings, this, this first 21 innings that you're talking about here, 20 appearances, you know, that basically kept the reds relevant. He was able to come in and shut down things a lot of times to, to keep the reds from having games slip away. And, and all of these positives, you know, we're looking at these positives. We opened with the guys that, you know, are still head scratchers of why they were on the roster. And now we're looking at these guys that individually put performances together that kept the Reds, at least in the conversation, kept them in a position to do some tweaking to maybe find a way to be in contention. And that's exactly what happened with guys like this, with Ashcraft, with Sims, with Diaz, all performing, you know, kind of not over their heads, but over where we thought they might be to start. And by them doing that, you know, it offset some of these other disasters that we talked about in the first segment. And it's true because the month of April was dreary, but the month of May brought a new hope to great American ballpark. But was the move born out of confidence for a turnaround or was it just luck? We'll answer that coming up next. Before we do, want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. October baseball is roaring on here in the championship series. The World Series is just a few days away, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and create your new account. Then. You can get in on all the action from first pitch until the final out. You can place a wager on everything from strikeouts to homers to who's going to win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next step bat with quick bets. You can also bet on tonight's game. You got the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Phillies got a shot. They win the game. They go to the World Series again. They're at home. The, the, the Phillies at home in the playoffs are... <laughs> I don't know how you bet against them. FanDuel doesn't either. They've got them favored minus 184 on the money line to win that ball game. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed after your first $5 wager. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. You can follow the show in between episodes. Uh, you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's on Twitter, X, whatever. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two F's. You can also join us on the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Got a link down in the description of today's episode for you to join. Steve, May brought a new hope. The, 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 the player that when we look back on this season changed this season. And he but, wasn't named Ellie De La Cruz. And it wasn't named Ellie De La Cruz. But the question is, and you you asked me this, so ask it to me again because I thought it was a good question. 
Yeah. Did you know, I wonder, did they bring up, did Nick crawl bring up Matt McClain because he could see that the team was in a position to turn a corner and make a run. And it was time to start infusing upgrades in order to go. Or when Matt McClain came up, was Nick crawl still kind of squarely locked into all right, we're not in first place. We've got some train wrecks on this team. It's time to start bringing up rookies so that we can see what we've got for 2024. Like, did he know these guys were going to to do what they did? Did he have an inkling that they were going to be the equivalent of making a trade? Or did he think he was just running his play for 2024? I think because we would ask him now, he would probably say option A. But if we asked mm -hmm. him back then, I think he would have said option B. That's exactly what I think. I really think at that point that he was just still running his play for 2024. I mean, we saw that 2024 was really going to be the year. We talked yeah. about it a lot leading into the 2023 season. And, you know, we both thought that this was just the natural progression of it. But what ends up happening is Matt McClain jumps on an airplane, arrives in Colorado, and it's almost an immediate energy change surrounding the Cincinnati Reds. It was like throwing a match on gasoline and just everyone started to go, including Matt McClain right out of the gate. Yeah, even that first game, I mean, he had a double, he had a walk, he scored a couple of different times there, and that was kind of like the tenor change because he was also a guy that as soon as he was called up, he was inserted into the top third of the order. And we were all kind of like, really? We're, we're, all right, you know, rookie debut. I, I kind of thought they would have given him a little bit of a leash there, maybe put him in the bottom of the lineup or something, but no. And we were totally wrong because he was absolutely at home in the top third of the order. We're talking about the Reds' number two hitter probably for the foreseeable future. Like, I don't know how you could knock him out, maybe if you put him in the number three spot, but he's definitely in the top third of the order because you definitely want him getting one of if not the most at bats in a given game and he showed you why his first month in the major leagues slash line of a, a batting average of 361 his on base was 427 yes rookie brand new never seen the majors before gets on base 42 percent of the time and he had a slugging of 541 like i mean i put that together it's like 900 something for the ops so that's amazing and it, and it became that narrative changer that had, you know, me, had you, had everybody that talks about the Reds going, wait a minute, maybe yeah. there's something here. And then it just started happening, right? The call-ups started happening, and it happened with the pitchers, and it happened with the hitters. And every single player that came up seemingly set the world on fire. And, and I don't know if everyone realizes just how rare what happened in May or what, at least what started in May, how rare that is for every single guy that you call up onto a team to just start lighting blazes around them. You know, that yeah. that's not how it usually goes. And, and we have seen rebuild after rebuild after rebuild that didn't go that way, where guys came up and were just train wrecks and didn't have it. And, you know, I don't know maybe some of it's a little dumb luck. I think a lot of it has to do with the, the front office guys behind the scenes scouting these players. Well, that Nick okay. crawl went out and traded for, but you know, it was, it was just suddenly setting the world on fire and it all started with, and I'm not allowed to call him Matty. Ice. what do we call him? Uh, uh, Matty. Matty, Matty. 
No, Maddie yeah, Yippikaye. That's what I'm going with. Well, it all starts <laughs> with Maddie Yippikaye McLean coming up and and doing some damage. And I think too, like you got to give him a lot of credit because you give you give Nick Crawl credit. This was his first draft class, 2021. But that's just the thing. That's where Nick or that's where Matt McLean deserves deserves so much credit getting drafted in 2021 and making the majors not even two full years later because in 2021 i think the draft was in like july and he gets caught up in may of 2021 that's less than 24 months in the minor leagues i i think that needs to be celebrated in and of itself the fact you know he's the first round pick andrew rabbit's the second round pick we're already seeing the fruits of that draft fantastic to see and he adds the leadership flavor that this team needed like yes i know that jonathan india really took the reins to begin the season but I think this is Matt McClain's team. Like, I think Matt McClain is the dude moving forward that deserves to see on his chest more oh, than sure. any other player on this team. And if, if, if you're going to give out, if you're going to ask me, you say you get one contract extension to give to somebody right now, 1000% it's Matt McClain. And I don't know that anybody else is close. No, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, Spencer Steer would probably be the next closest guy as far as mm -hmm. a position player goes to getting a, a an extension uh, that you're talking about, but I, I want to talk about that C on his chest thing for a minute. I'm not saying that that's how he should start 2024. I'm not right. saying just do it right away, but if he plays 2024, like he played 2023 gets in 140 games, 150 games, puts up the kind of numbers that we're going to expect from him to put up. If he does all of those things, I want the C on his chest to start 2025. I just want, and, and, and I love um, so much uh, using the, the website baseballreference.com, but they do this thing where they take the rate statistics and all that from a given sample size, and they expand it out to a 162-game season. So imagine that the, the, the slash line of 290, 357, three, or 507 that Matt McClain put up in his 89 games he played this year. Imagine he does that for 162 games. This is what it's going to look like. 29 home runs, 91 RBIs. He's going to have 25 steals, and he's going to score 118 runs. I'll take it. That, Sign me up for that. That's, I mean, that's an MVP candidate right there. Yeah. I, that's an MVP candidate uh, for the National League. And you're talking about, especially if he's starting at second base, you're probably talking about the best second baseman in the National League. So, yeah, before we get too ahead of ourselves, we might say that some more times this offseason as we really dive deep into Matt McClain. But, yeah, that that's something that when we look at what happened in May, that's where things turned around. And, yes, they did turn around. But I do think it was mostly because Nick Crawl was still playing his plan for 2024. Like every dares will know, we told you 2024. Hey, listen to us. We know what's going on with this team. And that's why you need to follow us because that's where we're going to end today's podcast. Thanks, everybody, so much for checking out today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed, you're following, you got that bell on notif uh, on YouTube clicked so you get notified because we're going to be with you all off season as rumors come about. We keep reviewing last season. We're looking ahead to next season, giving you what to expect because we love the Cincinnati Reds. And we're going to be looking at the good times coming up tomorrow on the podcast. We got June and July. The debut of Ellie, the debut of Andrew Abbott, the debut of a bunch of dudes that are really getting this team excited and really having Cincinnati and lots of folks around baseball as a whole looking at the Reds like, this future is pretty good looking. Well, we'll dive into that a lot 
on tomorrow's episode. Why is that, Steve? Because we're going to keep everyone locked on Reds every single day. That's the wrong. That was the wrong button again. (sighs) (laughs) Off season, off season. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.